situation. All of us are obviously learning about the situation. It's new. So a lot of what I say would be based on our experience, obviously. And we're learning constantly. We talk to our customers. The first thing that we've learned, I think, is the importance of technology. I think that has really come to the fore in, in our minds as well as our customers' minds. And when we thought the word technology before COVID, perhaps we had a different connotation, nice to have. Today, that's not so anymore. It's, it's an essential part. And, and in fact, banks probably look at themselves more as technology companies anymore. If they had an inkling of that before, it's, it's sharper now. The other change that we're seeing is the rate of, uh, I, I think the intensity of focus to spend quickly and, and get more modernized. While the volumes are dropping a little bit initially, and, and they, you know, the, as we wait for the recovery, there is a window of opportunity for banks to actually invest and modernize the technology. There's a lot, number of programs that have been waiting for investments. And we find that some of our clients are accelerating those investments. So all in all, I think from as a technology provider, I think this is an exciting time, both in the short term, as well as our long-term ability to help our clients. Is it the case that it's all about fintech? It's all about the add-ons and the, the cool little routines? Or is there something more profound going on? You know, when we look at fintechs, and you know, in the past, perhaps, we thought about these um, you know, really deep changes in some areas and some cool shiny objects, as you mentioned, right? What has COVID actually taught us? Uh, in some philosophical way, uh, Robin, while you and I sit in different parts of the world, we probably, with COVID, share a common problem. And, you know, with that uh, same spirit, we find that banks and fintechs also share a common problem. I think we've never learned any time in our life that we're closer than ever. And I think that's true even with the relationship between banks and fintechs. I think the opportunity now is not to think of these as two separate things, but really how can we be better together? And there's tremendous value offered both by banks and by fintechs. And we truly, truly can uh, do a lot better together. I don't think it's an either or. Can we talk about some concrete examples? Do you have, do you have some illustrations you could offer? We have, for example, uh, some of our clients being really smart about how they work with fintechs. And, and I'll just give you a short uh, intro and then give you some examples. The fundamental point is they're realizing their value as platforms. And I mean platform not in just the sense of technology, but in the sense of access to their customers, in the sense of the, the context in which they operate. And, and oftentimes we find that fintechs are superb at solving a very particular problem. They solve it beautifully in a very differentiated way, but they may not have access to that platform and the, and the context. And when we bring these two things together in, in a very smart way, we see good things happen. For example, we work with Nikki.ai. It's, it's a chatbot provider in, in India, and we are able to provide a very contextual uh, solution to, to our uh, banks. And that, it's, it's an interesting relationship because we, sometimes we bring fintechs to our customers, and many times they will bring fintechs to us. I think the trick is really in the contextualizing, what works both for the technology and for that bank in that situation where they want to differentiate. For example, LiveBank in uh, that is a startup, completely bank-in-a-bank almost approach with the Emirates NBD, where they have really done a superb job of integrating a lot of cool experiences designed by millennials on our platform along with other uh, partners. We have Neki in Bank Colombia. So there's instances all over the world where our banks have innovated using us as a platform. It's not so much a matter of who's doing the innovating as what the actual innovation is. Precisely. I think that's a great, great observation. It's not, it's, that's no more relevant. It's, it's, it's actually about what is the uh, innovation? How relevant is it? How contextual is it? 
So I would go even a little further and say, even if uh, fintech is doing a wonderful job in one region, that may be a complete flop in another region. So it's, it's impossible for us to say good to bad until we know the context. That's one aspect that we've learned. The other thing is innovation by nature is risky. So I think it's all right for us to see, you know, lots of things being tried, some things work, some things fail. And it's wonderful. It's actually a very exciting time if all of us work together. The thing about banking is that it is a heavily regulated industry. It is also an industry that we all rely on in the sense that all this stuff is great, but what it boils down to is that's my money in the bank. I want to be able to access it when I want to access it. I want to be able to spend it and pay my bills when I want to pay them. And I want it to be there when I want to do those things. I don't want to put my money in a bank and have it disappear somewhere. So the huge hurdle that has to be got over is one of security, not just actual security, but in persuading customers that things are secure. And and that's a great point. Trust is hard earned and easily lost. I think that is a great asset that uh, banks have, and they work hard to preserve that. I mean, there's a lot of things that one could criticize a bank for and saying you're slow, you're not doing you know, X, Y, Z. But I think they have a trust to maintain. And I think that's important to recognize, as, as you pointed out. But I would also submit that the notion of trust itself is changing a little bit. I mean, let's, let's look at something like Facebook. I mean, who would have imagined that people would put their lives on Facebook, right? I mean, this, so this is very interesting dialogue of uh, a lot of control to end users with privacy controls. But at the same time, you know, the same folks might be putting a lot of their lives online. So I think, as you pointed out, convenience and trust is a, is a dialogue that will continue to go. I feel that line is moving. It's moving more towards convenience and that may offer more opportunities for banks and uh, fintechs really to jointly innovate and perhaps even some fintechs to innovate separately. What does it actually mean in terms of security though? Is this something where, and it's a word that gets bandied around all the time, is this something where blockchain becomes important? Security, in my opinion, means several things. I think it's the traditional definitions that we usually focus on. Uh, But there's also new definitions that are emerging. For example, one can decide whether it's really Robin on the system or Arun on the system based not just on our password. There's no password kind of technology. It's just based on our behavior, based on something we know. So we're pushing the envelope. and, And perhaps even passwords are not such a good way to assure somebody's identity anymore. So you bring up a great point in that context. Could blockchain be that mechanism? I think in certain contexts, absolutely, we are already seeing the value of that. I can give you an example with LinkedIn, for example. If you look at LinkedIn, why do we trust LinkedIn? Because it's open. It's validated by several people openly. So in many regards, we might be able to trust a LinkedIn profile over a resume mailed to us. We see something similar with blockchain. If a group of banks decide it's really Robin, KYC might take a very different meaning. And, and KYC, which is seen as a cost today, uh, you know, it might cost some banks, you know, I don't know, $60, $100 to do a KYC, might be monetizable. If one bank actually spends money for KYC, they might be able to monetize it on a blockchain network, have other banks actually buy that identity and, and really cooperate. The example you give there actually is potentially an exciting one. It's not just the banks, it's anybody on the platform. Any provider on the platform, if one institution has validated me as a customer, that validation is, as you say, monetizable because it's transferable. Absolutely. And value can be added to it. Uh, You know, to a point as you extend that scenario, it's not just monetizing that one instance of a KYC. It can be augmented. It can be enriched. It can be sold back and, and transacted several times. 
especially in a trusted closed group. So it's a very interesting kind of way of looking at blockchain. And I, I feel that especially your, your question is very topical in this COVID world when people are looking at things like supply chain, for example, very closely. One might look at closed supply chain groups and see how do we wring out all of the inefficiencies, a lot of the inefficiencies because of fraud, uh, misuse of things of letters of credit. You can have a declining value like letter of credit, for example, sitting in a blockchain and you can't spend twice on the same and, and uh, letter of credit and do fraud, right? So very interesting applications. I think we have the opportunity to exploit blockchain for. And I like the fact that you've brought in there an example from the B2B world because everything that one tends to hear about the new technology, about the fintechs, about blockchain, seems to be pitched at the retail banking sector. But this right. is something that is going to change corporate banking as well. That's right. And you're, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting to us to think about corporate situations because as you think about our path emerging from COVID, we all know that it's a small business that is going to lead us, lead us out in every economy. And what are they going to face? They're going to face problems with credit. They need help. To, to move the economy. And this is a role that you know banks can play. You may find, for example, a small business is not yet ready for a big bank. But if a bank were to facilitate and help that business using blockchain and really follow them as they grow, they might be able to then identify a very you know, creditworthy business earlier with great credibility, actually be proactive about approaching them, and, and also be seen as helping. You know, when a small business looks at the barriers of a bank, they rather see the bank as enabling through a blockchain network, a community, a P2P kind of network that the bank enables. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Let's finish up then with how is this going to affect you? How is this going to affect your business? How is this evolution going to change what you do? I think it's causing us to introspect a lot on what is our core locus of innovation. If you look over the last 10 years, the locus of our innovation has been automating and making more efficient processes that are in the bank. I think what has changed for us is essentially looking more at the customer as being at the center of the locus of our innovation, both ours as well as our clients, and really reimagining the stack of what we provide technologically front to back. It's not just about putting lipstick on a pig. It's not just about having um, you know, a front end, uh, uh, a beautiful mobile interface. It's about changing the core.